Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, hope you had a great weekend. Listen, we had a great time at church on Sunday. If you've never been to Adore Church, uh, my name is James. I'm the pastor of Adore Church. If you're listening on the podcast or if somebody shared this with you for the first time, thank you so much for checking us out and taking a few minutes to listen to the message today. We had a great time on Sunday before, for a lot of reasons, ample, uh, legitimate reasons. People didn't come to church on Sunday. A lot of families had some sick people. A lot of people are still concerned with COVID and the pandemic that's going on. We get it. It's totally okay. When you feel safe, you come back to church. But the both of us that were there, man, we had an incredibly powerful time with God. And we talked about something I think extremely important right now that's going on. And I want to start with Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, this is Jesus talking. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And the second thing is love others as well as you love yourself. And I love this scripture this translation of scripture, because it just says love God. It tells us how to love God. It says to love God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Those are all components that need me to get involved in, in serving God and loving God and following God. It's not just prayer. It's not just thinking. It's not just energy. It's not just passion. And so the next few weeks, you want to talk about those four components in following God. How do I do it with passion? How do I do it with my prayer? How do I do it with intelligence? And how do I do it with energy? Those four things encompass what it means to be a follower of God and the power of the local church. And so he starts with passion. And this is one that's, that's interesting to me. Because in life right now, it's okay to be passionate about a lot of different things. All of us are passionate about stuff. Right? My kids are passionate about stuff. My son Levi is passionate about Fortnite. He's insane about Fortnite. It is 24-7 Fortnite. Dinner table, Fortnite. After dinner, Fortnite. He wakes up in the morning, Fortnite. He's looking on his phone for skins and updates. And all. I mean, it's unbelievable. We all have passions. Some passions are good. Some passions are... I love sports and chocolate. Those are my passions. Beside my wife and kids, sports and chocolate. Put sports in front of me, I'm on the TV watching. Put chocolate in front of me, I am eating it as fast as I possibly can. We all have passions. You know what your passion is. There's a, a woman in our church that's passionate about birds. There's women and people in our church that are passionate about all kinds of stuff. You can go on Amazon right now and find a hundred different books about passion. Mushrooms, steam, cars, right? We're activists and people are passionate about society and politics right now. We're passionate people and that's okay. The problem is, especially here in Massachusetts, it's not okay to be passionate about God anymore. That has kind of been pushed to the side, right? No longer can you be passionate about God. You can't, it's not only that you can't be passionate about God, it's why would you be passionate about God? Often we're referred to, referred to in New England as the frozen chosen, that we are post-Christian culture, that people are just done with the church, done with the idea of church. And, and there's some truth in that. There really is some truth in that. People have lost their passion for church, lost their passion for God. It's true, and our, and our society is doing this, right? We're moving God from as much as we possibly can. Take it out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Take it off the dollar bill. Take God out of schools. Take God, you know, we're just removing God completely. Passion for God is waning, and I, that's, that, that scares me. I struggle with that because I'm passionate about God. I want my kids to be passionate about God. And Jesus says when you love him, when, you, when you're supposed to serve him, when you follow him, there should be a passion that connects to that. And my heart's cry for our church and for you and I, for the people that call a door church home, is we would be passionate about Jesus. We would be unabashedly, unafraid, passionate that we love Jesus and Jesus loves us. That Jesus loves me, that he values me, that he believes in me. And that's enough to be passionate about. 
You see, I don't understand the people that are not passionate about God. Because when I look at what Jesus did for me, when I look at what Jesus did for me, how could I not respond in passion? You see, when I was lost, when I was broken, when I was filled with guilt and shame, when I was messed up and my worst decisions I ever made at the worst point of my life, Jesus looked at me and said, I, James, I passionately love you. Not just love you, I'm willing to come down on earth. I'm willing to die a horrible death. I'm willing to take all the shame and guilt that you were supposed to have. I'm willing to take that on me and give up my life for you. To die, to hang on a cross, to show my passion for you, to show my love for you. This is what it looks like. I'm not just going to ask you to be passionate about me. I'm going to show you what true passion is. If you were walking out of your house this week, or you were driving down the street, or you, you, were, you saw a kid in, in, in front of walking across the street and his 18-wheelers barreling down, and you saw some strange guy just dive in front of the street, throw that kid off to the side, and just get plowed over by a truck. Give up his life for that kid who he doesn't know. Never asked if the kid was worthy of it. Never asked if the kid deserved it. Just instinctively said, you know what? I'm passionate about saving somebody. I'm passionate about life. And I'm going to give up my life for this kid. We would look at that and go, oh my gosh, that guy's a hero. That guy's a hero. What passion he showed. That is the passion Christ showed for you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. Yet he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. It's passion. Jesus doesn't ask anything from you that he hasn't already done for you. Passion. So the question is, are you at that position with God? Is, is, is that passion still burning in you? If you've never had that passion with Christ, I want to give you a chance to experience that. To accept the free gift of salvation, the Bible calls it. A relationship with God, because that's what God truly wants anyway. He wants a relationship with you. Maybe you're watching this video or listening to this podcast and you've lost that passion. The passion is kind of way. Maybe life has kicked you in the face. Maybe COVID has really hurt you and pushed that passion to the side. I want to go through a couple different ways that we can get our passion back or a couple of the ways that we lose our passion. Listen to what the Bible says in a few verses. This is Mark chapter 6, or Matthew chapter 6, 33. The Bible says we're supposed to seek God passionately. Seek the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. And above all else, live out righteously and he'll give you everything you need. We're supposed to love God passionately. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Passionately love God. We're supposed to serve God passionately. In Colossians 6, or Colossians 3, 23. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue things with Christ presides, or pursue things about God. There's supposed to be a serving, an action step in following God. And loving God, passionately serving God. That's how we're passionate about the church. Serving at the church. Last one is this, we're supposed to trust God passionately. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will and He will show you which path to take. He says to trust God. So right here, four verses. Seeking God passionately. Loving God passionately. Serving God passionately. And trusting God passionately. It's all over the Bible. Passion, passion, passion. So what stops us from having that passion? I want to go through a story today, the most famous story in the Bible, David and Goliath. Everybody knows David and Goliath, most famous story there ever was. But there's a big guy named Goliath, long story short, he's in the Philistines, the bad people. The other side in 1 Samuel chapter 17 in your Bible is David. David's with the good people, the Israelites, 
God's chosen people. And they're having a fight. They're having a war. They're having a battle. And instead of going Game of Thrones, huge battle with armies, fight armies, and the victors win, they said, let's just go mano y mano. One on one, let's fight each other. And so the Philistines put out their greatest guy that they had. 13-foot Goliath, huge man, four, five hundred pounds. This massive human being. Twice the size of me. And for 40 days and nights, he's out there cussing the armies of God, yelling at the armies of God, belittling the armies of God, taking away their passion, giving fear into their hearts, saying, let's go. Who's going to fight me? On the other side of the Israelite army, you had the guy that should have fought them, which was Saul. You see, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. Saul was probably close to my height. He was probably six foot two, six foot three, maybe. Bible says he was the biggest. And so the biggest man from their army, Goliath, was out there ready to fight. The biggest man from the Israelite army, Saul, was hiding in a tent. He wanted no part of it. He was scared. He was fearful. And into the story walks a young teenager named David. And into the story, David walks a teenager. A teenager. If you've got kids and you're watching this, or for whatever reason, you're a young person watching this, look, age is just a number to God. Don't ever think that you're, not, that you're too young for God to use you. Don't ever think you're too young to do something incredible for God. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you're definitely not too young to make some serious, life-changing mistakes that can mess you up for a long time. If you can make mistakes at 12, 13, 14 that carry you the rest of your life, you know what you can do? You can make some impact at 12, 13, 14 that can carry you for the rest of your life as well. Parents, look at your son, your daughter. Put value into them. Believe in them. Love them. Treat them as something special. Push them to be something special. Give them confidence and encouragement. They're called of God today. Not when they're in college. Not when they find their job. Not when they find their wife or husband or whatever. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Look at your son that's 12 and 13 and say, man, David killed Goliath when he was 13 years, years old. God can use you right now, son. Right now, daughter. God wants to talk to you. Passionately love God because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. That's incredible. David walks into the battle. And at the end of the battle, David actually slays Goliath. And I want you to hear the passion in David's voice. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, when David eventually gets on the battlefield and goes mano y mano with Goliath, this is what he says to him. You come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Father, the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spirit that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into your hands. <laughs> That's passion. He's like, yo, this is what's about to happen. I'm going to say this loud. I'm going to say this proud before it ever happens. You, me, we're going to fight. But it's not me and you fighting. This is you versus God. I'm just an instrument, a tool of God. And today, God is going to whoop your butt on this field. He is going to destroy you on this field so that you see it, so that they see it, so that everybody sees it, so that 3,000 years later, people are preaching about it. People understand that God is a God that does not mess around. That when you defy God, when you come at God, He will come back at you and He will cut off your head. And this day, I'm going to show you how to do that. Woo! That boy is crazy, man. He fired. He's got passion. He knows what's right. 
He knows who he is in God, and he knows stepping out in faith, doing what God told him to do, is scary. It's hard. It, it, it probably gives him a lot of fear, healthy fear, I would imagine. But he did it anyway because he had a passion for God. I'm going to backtrack through David's story real quick for a couple minutes. And there are three things that David faced while he was getting ready to face Goliath that I think can steal your passion, that will, that, will, that will dull your passion, that you have to continually overcome to keep the fires of passion burning in God. The first one was this. When David first showed up to the battlefield, when he first got to the battlefield, he was bringing Lunchables to his brothers, right? He was bringing food to his brothers. David was just a shepherd. He was not out there as a warrior at all. He just kind of happened to show up at the, at the scene. And when he shows up, he starts asking questions. What's going on, guys? What's, what's all, who's this guy yelling? What, what's all about, man? Give me the 411. What, what is, what's, what's, such, what's the situation here? Tell me what's going on. He goes to his brothers. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, David was talking to people like, hey, wh what happens if you kill Goliath? What do you get if you kill Goliath? And he's talking with passion, and he's talking with confidence, and his brothers hear this. And he burned with anger at David, and he said, Why have you come down here? This is 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. David says, Now what have I done? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. So David's talking passionately about what's going to be done, what's going on, how they're going to handle the situation. His brothers come alongside him and say, Dave, what, what, what are you doing here, bro? Who are you, David? You don't belong here. And they say something, these, these two things, those few sheep, and they say, I know you're conceited, how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Now, listen to me. This is the first way he had to deal with passion, the idea of losing his passion. When people started telling lies, to David, about David. He had a decision if he was going to believe the words of other people about him. Guys, this is where the devil is really good. This is where the world is really good. This is where it's, sometimes it's really hard, especially as a teenager, to live this world. Because there are so many voices coming into your head. There's so many things talking to you right now. Especially through social media and all those things. We, we have four kids. We've been living in a pandemic for a year, right? It's chaos in my house a lot. Right? I try my best as a parent. I pray. We, we do the best we can, but it is sheer chaos in our house a lot. Three teenage boys and eight-year-old daughter. Fights happen. Things get nasty. And one of the things that happens a lot is they start saying things to each other, saying things to each other. And it gets one person, gets the other angry, and then it ends up in a fight. And my wife and I really started to pray about this, really started to talk about this. What, what's, what's going on? And my wife, who's amazing, came up with this question. She asked him all the time. She says to Micah after a fight, Micah, is what he said true? But you know, this happened to him, he said that. And Sarah goes, is what he said true? A lot of times when it gets pushed comes to shove, you know Micah's got long blonde hair. When it gets nasty, one of the kids will call him a girl. World War III happens. Well, at the back up to that point, say, Micah, are you a girl? Are you a girl? No. Is that statement true? No. Then forget about it. But yeah, no. Shut up. Forget about it. 
Listen to me, young person. Listen to me, uh, old person. Listen to me, middle-aged people. I think you need to ask yourself consistently, is this true? What are you talking about, James? Is what your mind telling you true? Is what the world telling you about yourself true? Is the emotions that you're feeling true? When you look in the social media and the social media is telling you you're supposed to act this way, you're supposed to look like this, act like this. In order to get popular, you got to send these uh, texts to another to a dude. You got you got to sleep with this dude. You got to be doing this. You got to be doing that. You got to be uh, having these things. You got to have this many popularity on the, all the words that the world is telling you. Is it true? Things that you speak to yourself, the guilt and the shame, and the things you hear in your mind, are those things true? Well, how do we know if they're true? Do they line up with the Word of God? Do they line up with what God says about you? You see, you need to get confessions in your life. You need to speak words into your life. On our Instagram page, we have a little tab in the story that is confessions. You need to start speaking those words over your life because those are true. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I am chosen. I am forgiven. I am set free. I am free of condemnation. I have a purpose and I have a plan. God's got a call on my life. I am loved. I am valued. I'm believed and I'm a princess. I'm a prince. I'm God's chosen heir. You can go on for days. David had to choose to believe the words that he knew about God, that God said about him, that who knew who he was on the inside, or he had to choose what his words, his brother said, which were lies. It wasn't true. You and I have to stop believing the lies of the devil. Stop believing that you've done too much. Stop believing that you've gone too far. Stop believing that you're no longer worthy. Stop believing that you're outside the love of God. Stop believing that the world needs popularity, that you have to be these things, and you become passionate about fitting into a society. Begin to say, this is who I am. I am who you say I am. It's a trick the devil's been doing forever. Forever. Telling lies about you and getting you believe those lies and then living out those lies. David rejected those immediately. He heard his brothers, his family members, the people closest to him sometimes can hurt you the most. David was rejected over 25 times by people. He had to continually reject what people said and the words that came along with it and put his heart towards God. Is it true? Think about it. The next time you're stressed, the next time you're angry, the next time somebody says something to you and you receive that and put it to your heart, is it true? Because if it's not true, let it not be true and don't let it get you down. Second thing was David ended up in Saul's tent. And he starts talking to Saul. He's like, Saul, I'll go fight David. I'll go fight this guy. I'm in. I'll take him down. And Saul replied to him, you're not able to go against the Philistines and fight him. You're only a young man and have been a warrior from your youth. He's been a warrior from his youth. This is 1 Samuel 17, 33. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant killed the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. David says, look, Paul, or I mean, Saul, I'm sorry. Saul, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my story. Saul looks at him as a young teenager and says, you can't do this. You're not, you can't be capable of doing this. And David says, Saul, you don't know the battles I've been fighting in private. You don't know the things I've been doing when no one else is around. 
You see, nobody was around one day when a literal Mufasa came walking up to me. And I didn't run. I stood my ground and I fought a lion. Mono e mano, just me and a lion, nobody else around. No YouTube videos, no TikTok videos to show you, no viral videos of this dude, nothing. Just me, nobody even knew. It was in private. Nobody knew when the bear came down and we went at it and I got him. And what's David saying? What's the principle here? The principle here is one we're working on with our kids all the time and I try to do it with myself as well. Private sacrifice leads to public success. We all want it when the lights are on. We all want to drop 52 in the game when it happens. We all want to be the star of this and the this of that. We all want success and prosperity. We all want all of these things. But are we willing to put the work in in the private when nobody else is around? I have a basketball school that I run and I'm constantly telling kids, you got to work now in the gym when nobody else is around. You got to put shots up and shots up and shots up and work and work and work and eventually you'll get the platform. But the platform doesn't come first. The work and the secret comes first. David understood that who he was in private will eventually come out in the public. And so he worked on who he was in the private. And what does that mean scripturally, Christian-wise? It means two things. One, you got to read God's word. You got to get God's word in you in the private. You got to study God's word. We tell this all the time to people. It's not just enough to come to church on Sundays or leave me preach. You gotta read your Bible. You gotta get the tools in you to read it and study it and get inside. You gotta worship when nothing's else around, nobody's else around in your car. You gotta get between you and God and go, God, I need you right now. I know it doesn't sound good, it doesn't look good. There's not you know, 100 people around me worshiping their hands, lifting up. There's not a band, but me and you need to have this time. Why? Because I think the biggest battles in your life are private. Teenagers, the biggest battle of your life, I think, are private. Young men, standing in front of a computer, sitting in front of a computer, standing in front of you, holding your phone. You have a gateway to all kinds of pornography. And nobody can know. Nobody will find out. Tipple button, boom. Erase your screensaver. Erase the, you know, the preferences. Erase your history. Nobody knows. That's a private battle. I'm telling you right now, young men, even young girls right now, we're losing that battle privately. Mom and dads, you got to get in there. You got to help your kids. We got to help them. There's a private battle when you're looking in the mirror as a young woman and you see what God has created you and you don't think it's enough. And privately in in the mind, in your mind, you're thinking you're not worthy, you're not beautiful, and, and all those thoughts come. Maybe you, you look at your bank account in the private right now and nobody else is around and nobody really knows how bad the finances are right now that you're dealing with the pandemic. And privately, you, you're overwhelmed with the guilt and the shame. Maybe there's something in your past, there's an abuse, there's, there's a thing that you're carrying that nobody knows about and in private, it always just rears its ugly head. Every time you go before God, you can't because this is the thing that hurts you the most. Maybe it's depression that you're dealing with. Young people, maybe it's suicidal thoughts that you're too afraid to tell anybody about. But in private, man, it's overwhelming and gets you. It's in the private where the real battles are. It's the private where the real battles are. And what we have to do is make sure that those private things don't stay private. You need help be able to share those things with. That's why we're here. 
We want to help you with anything you got going on in your life. Let's not keep it private any longer. Let's get it out into the public. Talk with somebody. Pray with somebody. Get in a group of people to help you with those things. The power of the local church, the power of God. David fought private battles. So when the public battle came, he was ready. I already did this stuff. I am ready. I know God's word. I know God's talk about me. I've been worshiping God. I love God. So I'm ready to go do this. Kept his passion in the private that passion overflowed into the public. Last one was this. Last thing before he went out there, Saul then grabbed David. He's like, all right, you going to do this? Put on my clothes. Saul took off his tunic. He put a coat of, a coat of armor on David. This is 1 Samuel 17, 38. Put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet in his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I cannot go with these. Because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. With a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The last thing David did was have to take a challenge that we all challenge, all take in our lives when it comes to passion. And Saul says, wear this. If you're going to do this, do it this way. Right? If, if, if you're going to make this happen, do it, do it that way. If you're going to follow God, it's got to be this way. If you're going to do this, it has to look like this. You should do it this way. You should act this way. You should be this way. You should do this. You should fit into this box that we have, right? Especially in New England, if, you, if you're a follower of God, there's a, there's a thing you go into. You kind of, eh, every once in a while, go to church, Easter or Christmas. But you really don't talk about God very much. You you don't want to talk about God that much. Can't really be outgoing about your faith. That's kind of scary. Maybe that's a lot of other places about it. It's pretty serious here. Don't post something on Instagram. Don't whoa whoa social media. You make sure you're you're posting certain things on social media. Make sure you're doing things the right way. Make sure there's there's only one. Look, we tell people all the time, right? And this is true. We got cancel culture out there. Your, your, your feed has to look a certain way. You gotta say a certain things. You gotta act a certain way. You gotta be a certain way to get the, 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 the popularity that you want. Don't, don't, don't go against that. Do it this way. And let me tell you, God is a God of individuality. It's love about God. He says, David, you know what I created you? I gave you everything you need to do everything I've ever called you to do, period. Well, God, if you would have made me like 14 feet tall, I could have really just whooped Goliath's butt. True. But then you wouldn't have needed me. God made you with everything you were supposed to have to do everything he has for you to do, period. We spend so much of our lives trying to fit into somebody else's skin trying to be somebody else, trying to do it the way they do it. Maybe it's a business, maybe it's a church, maybe it's whatever. We, we copycat people. Well, they had success. If they had success, then they should do it, right? It's what we see all the time, get rich scenarios. There's a million of them. I made $7 million doing this, and then 8,000 people think I'm gonna make $7 million doing the same thing that guy did. It doesn't work that way, it never does. I wanna create a church full of leaders that have influence over their areas of life to help and love and care for people. 
because I feel that God has equipped all of us to do exactly what he wants us to do, but we have to do it in our might, in our power. I'm six foot three, I'm bald of 200 pounds. This is it. This is all I got to offer. (laughs) It's gonna be good enough because that's what God gave me. And the world will tell you it's not good enough. And maybe you've done something that you think you're no longer good enough. Maybe you don't think you can, you can be the parent you want to be. Maybe you don't think you can be the, the, the person you want to be. Maybe you're a young person. You've made decisions that are bad and awful. And you've sent out text messages that are not appropriate. And whatever it is you deal with, you think that has disqualified you. That in order for God to love you, you've got to do a certain amount of things. That's religion. Religion says behavior modification is the way to God. If you change your behavior enough, God will then love you. That is not true. God loves you in spite of everything. The love of God in your heart, the accepting of Jesus as your Savior, then in you begins to change your behavior. It's not your behavior earns God. It's I love God and now behavior will change once I follow God. And when David knew something, he had a passion for God that gave him a stability to have a secure identity in God. So he knew my robe, my slingshot, my stive stones is enough to take down Goliath. You are enough. You plus Jesus is enough. And that is the passion you need. That's how you keep the fire going. You look to yourself and you say, I'm not listening to what people say about me. If it's not true, shut up. I'm not listening to it. Right? I'm going to put the work in in private. I'm going to have worship music going. I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to love God passionately. I'm going to serve God passionately. I'm going to trust God passionately. I'm going to seek God passionately in the private places so that when the public platform happens, I'm ready. And eventually, I'm going to do it the way God tells me to do it, how I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to talk to people as me. I'm James Cruz. This is who I am. God loves you. God loves me. And I passionately tell you that. When you walk out those things, when you fight those battles, you increase your passion. You keep your fire burning and you have a confidence that's not in you. The confidence is in Christ that's in you who is the hope of glory. Passion. My hope and my prayer today as I close, if you don't have that passion, if you've never experienced that passion with God, it is a simple prayer. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth and believe your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. It's the free gift of salvation. God wants you to have it. God's longing to be in relationship with you. All you have to do is say that prayer. God, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. God, I ask you to instill the passion in me for you, love. Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I thank you that I am saved and delivered in Jesus' name. That's the prayer. That's the prayer. And then you begin to walk out that passion every single day. If you don't, if if for whatever reason you've let that passion go, listen, one of the best ways I can give you to get back that passion is to get on some worship songs. Put on some worship songs, put them on loud, and give yourself to God. Feel the passionate love of God. We've been rocking some Maverick City music lately. They're incredible. We put a song in church called You Are My Champion. We just, we let, just let the words envelop us and the presence of God envelop us. Go put on that song. Passion. I want to be known as a church of people of passion that love God but also love people. That's what our heart is for here. Last thing before we close, if you've listened past this point and, and you're still on this, we also 
I want to ask you to passionately consider financially supporting us. You give where your passions are, period. You put money to the things you're passionate about. Sporting events, music, food, whatever it is. We're asking you, if you're passionate about Adore Church, if you're passionate about what we do, we're asking you to give, to financially help us, to support us, to get the vision going. You can give at adorechurch.com at any time. You can go on there. It's a real easy link to give. But we need people passionate about giving as well. We need passionate about serving. We need passionate about worship. We also need passionate about financially saying, I'm going to support you and get you guys to be able to do the things that God's called you to do. So if that's you, we'd love to have you give online before we leave this. If you've got questions, concerns, anything else, email us, direct message us, call us. We'd love to help you keep the passion of God going in your life. It's going to be a-